Greetings from Planet Kink. I'm your host, one of them, Eden. <laughs> Hi, Eden. Hi, Miss Jen. <laughs> and today we'll be talking about how to find a dom. Hello, and welcome to the Case for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. You look into the room. As you walk in, nervously scanning the environment, you ask yourself, in this sea, of, <laughs> in this sea of strangers... Where is the dom of my dreams? This is Eden, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and my great opening leads us to the topic for today, which is how to find a dom. Just look under rocks. <laughs> I'm really worried that there will be at least one listener out of the basically like 50 plus that we have who's going to go outside right now and start looking under stones. I don't think that somebody will do it in their good mindset, but if somebody's like, inebriated or something like this is my chance i mean that's funny nothing else has worked i'm going to go look under stones uh, how often do you get asked this question miss jen how to find a dom well i will say that when i was teaching my bdsm 101 class series every single week i got asked this question a lot a lot um yeah and and i think i did a video on it on the youtubes under the kink shrink thing i think didn't i i think i did um, but it's really, I mean, we're going to do a separate podcast about, you know, finding your dream sub. <laughs> See us next week. <laughs> See us next week for that. Maybe next week. I don't know. I, the, the answer that I always give and gave was never very popular with the person asking me. Yeah. Cause it's like, eat your vegetables. Like that was your answer. Like eat your vegetables. And that's well, how you no, find that a dumb. my answer. But, but it's like the equivalent of like, why, what do I, what do I have to do to be healthy? Eat your vegetables. Like it's well, like that. It's like they would respond. Like it, it was disappointing. Cause they're like, but I just want it to be easy. And it's not, it's, it's not easy. You're talking about, Oh goodness. Finding somebody who, you know, depending on what you're looking for, obviously, but finding somebody that you can trust with your physical body, if you're looking to play with someone, someone you can trust with your emotional and mental health, depending on, well, in any kind of situation uh, or any kind of dynamic, I should say, you know, and hopefully somebody that you respect <laughs> and enjoy spending time with. Um, so it's not easy. It's it's just like in the vanilla world, dating and trying to find a good mate person. How do I find a man? Well, you probably wouldn't. I could find a man. Well, you could find one. I don't know what I'd do. I don't do know how that would work out. After I found him. Well, I know what I would do. I'd just be like, keep, hey, do you want to hang out? in a cage and do you wanna... feed them popcorn. And I'd be like, hey, you want to hang out and watch TV and eat a pizza and have some beer? Yeah. And he'd be like, yes. And they'd be like, yeah. let's talk about it cartoons and he'd be so like you're yes just talking about finding a friend yeah well i find a man friend <laughs> a man friend but anyways <laughs> that's like when you get really really old and they're like oh it's so cute she has a man friend and they're really like boyfriend and girlfriend and they're like hobbling around yeah oh my god my grandma had a man friend so and did like, mine yeah but like she wouldn't admit that it was romantic but like he would send oh, her mine flowers did. and then he fucking cheated on her and we all hated him oh my god yeah he wow in the end of his life he's like i have one more cheat left in me yeah. Holy shit. Well, my, my guy, my guy for my grandma remained from what I can tell either. F I, I think they were not polyamorous because my grandma was, um, she was a wonderful Jane's lady. pretty, uh, generic. She was so. a wonderful lady. Um, and I have a feeling that he was faithful for the two years they were together. He passed away like three years after her. So I don't know what he did after that. If he had like one more lady. <laughs> I like anyway, to think he did. We're, we're off on a tangent. Um, I'm gonna have to cut that out. That was a weird share. <laughs> Um, anyway, now I'm distracted of what we were saying, but yeah, it's not, it's not, a, well, yes, I know the subject of, of the episode. I wasn't sure if you forgot what the episode was. No, but the point is, is that it's not easy. It's like finding anyone that you, you know, connect with, want to spend time with, 
blah, blah, blah. Like, it's the same thing. It takes work. It takes your own work. It takes... What? Why imagining, are you laughing? I'm imagining, like, a dating profile. I want to connect with you. I want to spend time with you. Blah, blah, blah. Contact <laughs> me here. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, let's just start. Let's start giving advice. Because the first place that I feel like people need well, to hold understand on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold is on. themselves. Hold on. Whoa. What? Whoa. You're dropping a truth bomb. Miss Jen just said the first thing you need to work on is yourself before you go looking for a dom. That is the eat your vegetables answer that she's been giving people for years. <laughs> and nobody likes to hear it. Because when people ask, how do I find a dom? They don't want to talk about working on themselves. They want to talk about how to find the fucking dom. So that the dom can tell them how to work on themselves. Well, so let's just like pause for a moment here before we launch into this like do self work. We actually are going to address this topic, not the vegetable way today. Um, Yeah, because that's what they came here for. They came here to find a dom and we're going to try to help them actually like look at it practically. Well, yeah, but it's not going to be easy. I didn't say they're going out like shooting fish in a barrel. I'm I'm saying like, but we are going to like talk about like if you really like, okay, let's hold on. Let's assume. go through all the steps. Yes. Like broad strokes in reality, the mindset of I'm going to look for a person to match what my need is not always the best or healthiest, but also, but also we all have needs and many people are trying to find a partner or a dominant or a submissive or whatever like it's a normal human experience so i don't want to be like fuck you go work on yourself and then they will come because like that is true but also it's okay to be looking for somebody like when i met miss jen well yeah when i met miss jen i just got a divorce like a classy broad and I came into the scene and I 100% knew that I was interested in finding a dom who was, you know, a lady and hot. (laughs) Um, And I happened to stumble upon her rather quickly. But I also wasn't necessarily treating it like I'm going out hunting. It was more like I'm open to the possibility and right now I just want to sort of see what there is. And I happen to have gotten extremely lucky. So I feel like the first thing I would say is, yes, you need to do self-work, but like, for the whole of your life, you need to do self-work. You don't oh, yeah. get to stop doing self-work when you find a partner. You need to continue to do your self-work. Well, yeah. And I was going to get into the, like, go to things without an agenda piece as we go. Good. Well, You're you can skipping bring it ahead. I-, I didn't skip ahead. You, you can say it <laughs> again later. We'll emphasize it. All right. But so let's assume a couple things about you, which may or may not be true, but let's just assume them. One, let's assume that you have been doing self-work and that you are actively doing self-work and will continue to do it, okay? Part of that self-work, by the way, is analyzing things after other relationships, whether it's DS relationships or vanilla. So I just want to kind of put that in there in terms of looking at things that you may need to take responsibility for from past relationships, things that Either you need to work on for yourself in those relationships or maybe some red flags or pink flags that uh, you might have some patterns with that you want to possibly avoid as you start to look for a dom. Assuming that you've done some self-work, I'm going to say some things that hopefully you are not carrying into your dom search, okay? The first is the mindset that the dom is going to fix you. Hopefully, you're not going to search for Dom because you want them to come into your life and fix your life and fix you, okay? That would be an unhealthy mindset to pursue a dominant. So if that's something that's happening in your brain right now or in the future or like whatever, what that often yields is a codependent toxic relationship. And it also basically isn't doing yourself work, okay? Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm Mr. Mackey. Um But let's just assume kind of that you're starting off and you're in a good place and you're ready to go, okay? So where do you find doms? Eden wants to skip over the self-work part. (laughs) Because we can talk about it, but, like, that's not the focus of the episode. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And, like, people know that. Like, that is, like, kind of like the eat your vegetables response of, like, you know, how how do I stay healthy? Exercise. Like, no one wants to hear that, so they invent diet pills. Like, no one wants to know that exercise is really... not a lot of... Trust me. I see a lot of people in my practice who don't know it. They or don't, don't want to apply it. Know it. Well, and that's the thing that's kind of hard because, like, I think, you know, like, Which that phrase. Why we get stuck in patterns. You know that phrase of, like, you can't love someone else until you love yourself? That's not true. 
And like there have been people who challenge that phrase. You don't have to be a perfect person or a perfectly healed person to be in a happy relationship. You can grow alongside somebody. I really hate the mindset of like you have to be fully – I'm not saying you're saying this, by the way. I'm just saying yeah. like the toxic – I didn't like, come up with the saying. No. The toxic <laughs> like mindset of like I can't be with somebody until I know I'm perfect isn't fair. But it is reasonable to hold yourself accountable to certain standards. So like well, – I never took that phrase to mean that. It's interesting. But it gets applied negatively that way. Like these praises do become toxic over time. And I think you can love somebody and through your love for someone else begin to love yourself more. Like there, you know, relationships can be healing. We, nobody is always a full, fully healed person all the time. Just, you know, like yourself a little bit. Yeah. But like <laughs> it, it's unhealthy to go into a relationship or a dynamic and to expect the other person to make your life good or make your life happy and to kind of just put that on someone else because you have to be at peace with yourself and you fulfill yourself. And then it becomes, you are dependent on another person for you to, for your life, for you to create happiness, et cetera. And it's a really good idea to know that you can create those things with just you. Yeah. You know, let's move on and assume that all of those things are good and that we have some like really healthy, happy people who are ready to go exploring. Okay. How? Wait, wait, wait. But if you need help, I'm a therapist. Oh, my God. So <laughs> email me. It's actually just a big plug. The whole episode is is an advertisement. Um, where do you go to find a dominant? So one, you can go online. And there are online long-distance relationships or online relationships. There are findoms online. There are ways to just use online completely exclusively and to find a dominant. But that's not what we're going to talk about today because, one, I don't have experience in it. I don't think Miss Jen has done online relationships that are like that. And we also don't have a super positive opinion about that. And we don't want to be unfair because there may be some people who do that healthily and we just can't really speak to that. Well, and all I'll say to that is that you can go online to search for a dom and it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but like 80% of the fish are already rotten. Also, I will I will direct you to the Creeper episode because going online to search for a dom online is a great way to potentially come off as a creeper. So if you do choose to do that, be careful. Um, but let's go ahead and move forward to where do you find them in person? Obviously, the best place to find doms or D-types of any type, of any type, D-types of any type. How many times am I going to say type? Mm-hmm. Going to dungeons and parties is a great place to find Munches. doms. But munches, Ms. Jen just said, munches and classes, I feel, are actually a better place to find doms. And here is why. Ms. Jen, take it away. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to pass it off to me. Um, so, so many reasons. I mean, one reason is, first of all, classes tells you that whoever's there is looking to learn and continue to learn, um, even if they've been around for a while. Uh, they're still interested in increasing their knowledge. Um, so that's good, but also going to munches and, and classes, there's not the pressure of play. Um, I really, whatever you go to, to find a D type, I wanted to get back to that thing I mentioned, uh, at the beginning of going to things without an agenda, going to whatever it is, a munch, a class, a party, Without the idea of I am here with one goal and one goal only, which is to find my dominant, um, because you're gonna you're gonna go in with blinders on and you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on people who have the potential to be really good friends, to create a support network, to add to your support network, um, and so going to things without that agenda, I think, is really really important. Um, but the other piece is being able to get to know people just as people. It's unrealistic to be like somebody who wants to be dating isn't going to be thinking about that in the back of their mind, but it shouldn't be like I, I need to date. <laughs> well, and also going How back to that? the creeper episode, that like- was that was so cute. Did it you like just, it? I was oh, trying yeah. to go for like Adorable. monster, wildy coyote. But also going back to the creeper episode, it's a good way. We forgot this. It's a good way to be perceived as a creeper. If you're walking around and only talking to people that you're interested in playing with or having sex with, then they feel that vibe. Or if they go, oh, yeah, I'm in a monogamous relationship with this other person. And you're like, OK, bye. Like, that's creepy, too. Yeah. and Not cool. I will say this. You manifest what you put out into the universe. So if you are putting out into the universe, I'm only interested in romantic relationships and sex, you will find other people who have that narrow focus as well. 
and you will turn away people who have a deeper focus. And what's interesting about relationships in particular is that for a romantic relationship to normally be healthy, you have to have more in common with them than just wanting to bone or like just wanting to have romantic experiences together. Um, So if you're looking for a relationship with somebody you probably need to put that energy out into the universe in terms of I'm willing to build one with you. And being willing to build a relationship with somebody means being willing to get to know them first. So if you want to manifest a healthy, strong relationship with a real connection, you should you should act that way. And that means approaching all people with this mindset of I want to build connections. And if you put that onto the universe, you will manifest that. And that will lead most likely at some point to deeper relationships that may have romance and that may have sex. But again, if you go right into the space and you're like, I want sex, I want relationship, who else wants sex and relationship? You'll find those people and you'll have the relationship that matches that energy. So just putting that out there. Let's talk about, we've talked about where. So yes, classes and munches are ideal for the reasons Miss Jen mentioned, but parties are also great. Parties, parties. what? I I know you said parties. And I'm just saying like why parties are great. (laughs) Parties are great because people who are there might be interested in playing and you have an ability to try play. Now, this is a pickup play situation if you don't plan it. Or even better, you can watch them play with other people. You can vet as well. But parties are really cool just to observe. And it's pickup play is not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's higher risk than like non-pickup play because you don't really know the person very well and you probably didn't have a long time to vet them. But if you are skilled enough in negotiation – and you know your own boundaries, pick a play could be fun. So um, that's another reason why parties are good. But I would definitely say classes and munches are a great place to start first because it's a good place to build friendships and to kind of see if you have anything in common with somebody. So now we talked about where. Let's talk about the green flags for somebody who would be an appropriate dominant. Ms. Jen, you want to name the first green flag? Is there an order? No, we're just making oh. them up as we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um is there an order? No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, they don't feel creepy. Oh <laughs> Still stuck on the creeper episode. <laughs> One green flag is they treat you like a human. They treat you and until you have uh, negotiated and consented to a dynamic, other humans should be treating you like a human. So if a if a D type knows you're an S-type, let's say, and just walks up to you and starts treating you like you are their S-type already before that's been consented to, um, that's a red flag. So if they treat you like a human and just get to know you, that's a green flag. Excellent. Um, it's a, it's occurring to me. I was going to do green flags and then red flags. So you just want to do two sides of the coin? Sure. Okay. So I'll introduce a green flag and the red flag opposite as well. A green flag for a dominant is a willingness to be vetted. So I really feel strongly about this because if a D-type from the red flag standpoint doesn't want you to vet them and doesn't want you to talk through their past partners and doesn't have a lot of people they can tell you to go to and is threatened by you asking, how can I vet you? That's a red flag because it means that they don't want you to know. What are you hiding? Yeah. Um, That's a huge red flag for a dominant. And if you see that behavior, you should step the fuck back. But a green flag is them saying, of course, I want you to vet me. Like a green flag would honestly be a D-type being like, you know, hey, would you like to vet me? Um, But just basically green flags are not being threatened by the thought of being vetted, being open and honest about their past, their history. Um, That would be a green flag. Caveat to that is if they're brand new, they may not have people to send you to, but an honest be. conversation where they tell you, like, I'm really new to this and here's my experience level, you know, that that's okay. Well, they don't have to have a list. And that of- brings in the green flag there, too, of humility. Yeah. I really feel that all humans should at least demonstrate some form of humility. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't be confident to know your strengths, but you should also know what you don't know and know your weaknesses and not be arrogant. So a green flag is a humble person who is kind, approachable, and not arrogant. A red flag would be, obviously egomaniac who presents himself as the best person that ever walked the earth and who can't do anything wrong. That would be a huge red flag. Yeah. Being honest about their experience level um, and not a peacock. Focusing on you while they're with you is a green flag. Giving them looking around or hyper fixating on everybody else while you're hanging out with them 
is a red flag. A green flag is the D-type wants to be there with you in that moment. And they're interested in who you are, whatever that conversation might be. So like if they asked you like, what did, what do you do for work? And you're okay with answering that question. Like if they're super distracted and not focusing on you, it doesn't mean they're a bad person necessarily, but it would be more of a red flag. But the green Unless flag they're be- hosting. Yeah. They're hosting. is <laughs> a little different, but I'm saying like, if you actually really have a D-type in your, if you have a D-type that you're talking to and they're focusing on you and they have the ability to be there with you, but they're choosing to focus on someone else or on something else. And they're kind of like giving you like half attention or they're like, again, hyper fixating on another person or like a potential other conquest. You basically know from a red flag standpoint, oh, they're not really here for me and they're not really interested in me or, oh, this might be their behavior in the future. Um, I'm but not it, a priority. I'm an option. Yeah. And like a green flag would be like, hey, I'm here with you right now. My focus is on you right now. That's what that's what we want to look for there. Um, what else are positives for D-types? Some green flags. I, I have another one while you're thinking. I just think – Well, think I'm so. trying to think. So I, I teach a class called D shouldn't stand for douchebag. You're thinking of and the I, opposite? Well, I go over like red flags for D-types to avoid doing and for S-types to look out for. And I unfortunately, I'm, and it's up on Gumroad, by the way. If you would like to see that class, it's recorded and on Gumroad. We'll link to it in the in the in the show notes. Yeah, um, but I'm trying to think about that class because I haven't taught it for a long time. Well, one thing so that you, I go ahead. one thing that I find um, is a green flag for D types is that they have a sense of humor, and that's not a necessity. Like you could meet somebody who has zero humor and is a great D type, but I find that most D types that I'm drawn to that I feel are green flag behaviors. Not only will they laugh at themselves, but they just are quick to laughter and they're not super hyper serious about everything all the time unless like you're having a scene with them or like that's the vibe for that moment. But they're able to be a normal person and they are approachable because they, again, have a sense of humor. Um, I really like that as a green flag. The opposite of that for a red flag would be somebody who cannot handle being poked fun at, does not have the ability to not take themselves seriously and just views everything from a super, 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 super serious heavy lens or like... I always say a red flag version of this would be laughing at others, but not allowing other people to laugh with them. So somebody who like laughs a lot and looks down on people around them would be a red flag version of this. Another green flag is a D-type who has a healthy circle of friendships um, and especially that includes other D-types. Um, bonus green flag would be if they also have another D-type or D-types who are mentors or who are people that they can talk to or go to um, when they need advice. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing of like, well, another thing too, like one thing I love about my dominance is that she has friends and is friends with people all over the slashes. Like she is friends she treats S types the same way she treats D types in like social settings, unless we're like in high protocol. But even then, like she is friends with everybody and everybody feels comfortable approaching her. Um, she doesn't like seem to have a hierarchy of friends because she doesn't. Um, and I think that's a really good green flag. Um, another green flag is being polite. D types who are polite, that's a fucking green flag bonus points. You are polite. A red flag is being really, um, just sort of expecting service, expecting people to do things for them and not saying thank you, not being polite. I once heard this from a vanilla standpoint of like, if somebody mistreats a waiter, they're, you're done with them. Like, I, I really yeah, like not that. Like, cool. Not cool. Yeah. But it's kind of the same of like, if you're in the scene and the D type is just very rude to, for instance, like all S types, but like fine with you. That's the bad. DMs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you have a rude person, that's, that's, that's a, that's a red flag. But the green flag was the opposite of like being polite, being kind, being appreciative. Yeah, on that same note, a green flag would be respects, like, rules of a venue or of a party. Um, Not trying, you know, the the red flag of that is, you know, trying to skirt the rules or, like, hide things, you know, doing things on the DL that are against the rules. Um, So, you know, not respecting uh, the rules of the party or of the venue. Echo is... is Sorry, Echo is standing over Fabu, who is laying down, and now Echo has laid on top of Fabu and is pinning his head down, uh, aggressively cleaning his head. I think he's just suffocating him. (laughs) Is this a smothering scene? What's going on? Echo, can he breathe? Fable's purring. His his face is in Echo's mane. (laughs) 
I just, I love their relationship, but sometimes it worries me. Like, I don't know what we're looking at sometimes. Echo's arm is around the back of his neck. Like, we're bros. He hasn't pinned. I don't know if it's consensual. He's fine. He's fine right now until Echo Echo bites his neck and holds on for like five minutes. It's fine. Okay, let's keep going. Is there any more green flags? Another green flag for me would be not being threatened by you playing with other D-types. So if a D-type is being territorial about you and you are not already in a dynamic with them where you have given consent for that, that is a huge red flag. And I've definitely heard of that happening where like a D-type's like, oh, we're dating and I didn't tell you this, but why would you want to play with someone else? Like oh, shaming or- you for playing with other people is a red flag. But the green flag is, hey, I want you to have experiences. We're not in a committed relationship or like I'm not bothered by you having other D-types in your life because I don't, I'm not worried about the comparison because I hope that you're here for me as a person and not, you know what I mean? Like it's just a red, it's a red flag if they're like, I don't want you playing with other people. Like it's just weird. By the way, the, <clears throat> the red flag can appear as oh, we've played a few times now and I would like to collar you. Um, that can seem like, <clears throat> especially if you're looking for a dom, you might be like, oh, yay, look at me. The red flag side of that is to me that somebody trying to mark their territory way quick and oftentimes comes from a place of being territorial and just enjoying playing with you and not wanting you to play with other people. One green flag that I know some people are going to disagree with, but I really see this as a green flag, is a D-type who wants to take things slow. I think that's a very good green flag sign. It's not necessarily a red flag, depending on how quickly things escalate, if the D-type wants to move a little faster. But a D-type wanting to take things slow kind of lets you know that they are taking it seriously and they want to build something with you over time versus a D-type who is just sort of rushing into the collaring, as Ms. Jen said, or like rushing to get to like the next place. Um, DS is really intimate and it's sort of like almost like marriage to to an extent. Like you really want to make sure that the person that you're settling with, settling in with is um, the right one. The person you settle for. No, that's what I meant. (laughs) Jesus. So we talked about green flags. That depends on what kind of dynamic you're looking at. Also, D-types who are doing a green flag job are going to want you to have other S-type friends. They'll want you to explore the scene. They'll want to encourage you to do classes. They might require you to do classes, but they want you to be educated. They encourage your growth. Yeah. And and growth that happens outside of the bubble that you have with them. Yeah. Now, here's a random red flag. And I'm not going to do the green flag side because it's very specific. But if somebody is not a pro and they ask you for money to be your D-type, that's a little bit of a red flag. If somebody is trying to have an extorted relationship where they're like, I'll be your D-type, but what that means is you're just going to give me a lot of money and you're going to give me a lot of your energy and time and I'm not going to give you anything back until you do that for a month. Like I find that to be red flaggy personally and I'm specifically honestly reflecting on the fact that I've seen some people who call themselves femdoms treat male submissives that way. And I personally... Femdoms? No, not femdoms. Femdoms. People who are not even femdoms. People who just sort of expect that male submissives should have to jump through like 10 hoops before they'll give them the time of day. I think that's shitty. And I don't think that people are commodities or should be exploited that way. So if it feels exploitative to you, it is. Um, And I think men deserve like equal rights and fair treatment. Um, Just because men are men doesn't mean that they don't deserve to like be loved and that their submission isn't valuable. Um, I really truly feel strongly about this one. This is one of those things where I get on a soapbox with it. But Well, and I think that often happens with male subs or male S-types. Um, because there's this, at least in our community, there seems to be less femdoms around. And so the ones that are around feel like they can take advantage of that. Yeah. And that's a red flag. Now, it's not wrong for somebody to be like, hey, I need you to petition for service because I need to know that you're serious. That's not wrong. It's not wrong for somebody to be a pro and to say, I need you to pay me for sessions. That's not wrong. Um, it's not even really wrong for a femdom to be like, Hey, I get a lot of people coming through to me. So I do want you to make a financial investment of like this much. But once you do that, I can go ahead and move forward with you. Like they might be doing that to vet. So like there are some reasons why it's not a red flag behavior, but if it's just sort of the nature of the relationship, it never evolves. It's never in your favor. And you're just expected to give up all of your needs and wants. And none of those are accommodated. None of them are asked for. And you're just basically treated like 
a source of revenue for them and that's all that you are, unless that is your kink, you have consented to it and that is like an arrangement, that's not healthy. That is a red flag. And the key word there is expectation because I know plenty of people who when they are petitioning will offer tokens, will offer gifts um, and things like that of their own accord. That's, and, and that's, that's an okay. Offer. That's an and that's offer. why I say expectation. It's not so much it's not okay for you to do that if you want to. It's more about do they expect you to without giving anything, you know, yeah. it, it's an, ex- an exchange, right? It's called power exchange, not power one-sidedness. <laughs> Power grab. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, this is like a little tiny like soapbox. And I'm going to do a little magical sound for the soapbox. I wanted to let you know before we continue that I'm about to discuss uh, abuse in relationships, specifically narcissistic abuse. Uh, but this could be potentially triggering. There is also a second reference to abuse, which has its own trigger warning later in the episode. And you can find the timestamps for these in the show notes. Um, And there will be a warning there as well. But I really just want to kind of let you know that moving forward for this episode, there is going to be a little bit of a heavier conversation just because we want to be able to discuss how to spot and avoid abuse and the difference between um, getting consent and acting ethically. So without further ado, we'll continue. Uh, But if you need to take a break from this episode or maybe skip to another this would probably be the time to do that. I'll use the magical fairy wand sound to indicate when the conversation will start, and then we will continue. Recently, I encountered a male D-type who seemed really well-spoken and seemed to have a really good sense of what he wanted and how he saw the world. And he at first was appealing to listen to, but over time, he started to say some things that were really sexist um, and that were really also egotistical, self-centered, and toxic. And one of these things that he was saying is basically, in polyamory specifically, he was speaking to that topic. Um, It's his job as the D-type to set all of the rules and no one else's rules matter and their feelings don't matter. Um, And he's not going to change for anybody. And if they want to leave, they have the freedom to leave. But otherwise, it's his way or the highway. And that was his way of running his life. And he advised all other males to do it similarly. And it was, I found, to be very toxic because it doesn't allow for relationships to grow. So I wanted to talk very briefly about the difference between what you're getting away with versus what is truly ethical. So technically speaking... If I meet somebody, regardless of their mental and emotional state, regardless of their trauma in their past, and regardless of whether or not it's morally right, if I walk up to somebody and and I tell them, hey, I'm going to abuse you. That's my desire, to abuse you. I want to use you for money. I want you to do work for me for free. And I am not going to give you anything in return, except maybe in the future I might let you, you know, I don't know, have sex with me once or I might, I might, but I'm not going to promise you anything, but I want you to do all these things for me and I'm going to, you know, give you certain things that you want, but only in the most harmful ways possible. Do you consent? If this person says yes, I can now walk into the world and go, ha, they said they they consented. This is completely consensual. It's completely ethical. I said what I was going to do and they said yes. Technically, that is consensual, right? But is it right? Let's say that the person who said yes is somebody who has been habitually, serially victimized and abused, and they only know how to pursue relationship styles like this. I'm actually essentially describing in a very overt way what can happen when somebody um, is abused by a narcissist, for instance, or was raised by narcissistic parents and then seeks narcissism in their partners because they don't know what health looks like. Just because something is technically correct, like you can get away with it because you set it up front, doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it healthy. And I want to point that out when we're talking about how to find a healthy dom because there are dominants like this guy who will say, these are my rules. This is how I do poly, my way or the highway. Get into my system or get out of it. You can leave if you want, but I'm not bending anything for you. Do you consent? I think the green flag here is some level of collaboration. Um, You know, I I know D-types who have their contracts preset, who have certain expectations, protocols, etc. So that when an S-type approaches them or are interested in petitioning for service or to be in a dynamic, it's already like, here it is. Um, 
and there is room for negotiating pieces of this per individual. So here's the backbone, but you know, what needs to be tweaked? Do we want to add anything? Is there anything here that doesn't work because you're an individual person with maybe some different needs, whether it's physical accommodations or otherwise, but that would be at the very least, obviously the opposite end of that is starting from scratch, not having anything predetermined and just saying, okay, we want to be in a dynamic. Let's create our negotiations, contract, whatever together, right? But even on that other extreme, having some level of collaboration and being open to that. Hey, everybody. So we hope you're enjoying the episode. We wanted to just pop in and say you're all awesome. And also, we have a Patreon account. Uh, We would love for you to join us there. Um, We have recently totally revamped it. And we're actually putting out the things that we have promised. (laughs) Um, It took us a while to figure things out. But Depending on the tier you join, there's extra special episodes that regular listeners don't get to hear. There's bloopers. There's all kinds of stuff. Eventually, we're hoping to have some merch things. So um, join us on Patreon if you want to support the podcast uh, because we really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much and back to the episode. A green flag for a dominant is somebody who understands the responsibility associated with having power over someone else and who is willing to have integrity when they use that power. And the reason I want to bring up the screen flag is because of a very, I'm going to use a very extreme example really fast to talk about this because I, I guess what I'm speaking to basically is abuse in DS. Um, this is going to be a trigger warning because I'm going to give an example that's really, really extreme. It's really weird. It I've never heard of it happening. It's completely hypothetical, but it is going to be a little bit like alarming to hear. And also we are talking a little bit about abuse right now. So if this is not something that you want to engage in today, one, that's valid. You do you. Two, you might want to peace out for the rest of this episode. We're about probably almost 40 minutes in. So you heard a lot of it. Um, But I'm going to talk about this probably about five minutes roughly. Um, Feel free to skip ahead or stay, stay tuned, stay locked in and we'll, uh, we'll move forward. In a world where the only thing that defines ethics is one person says what they want and the other person consents and that's just how it goes, we have certain types of behaviors that can occur that aren't okay and that aren't healthy. Um, And what I'm describing is essentially abuse. So let me give you an example of something that's so ridiculous that it probably hasn't happened or maybe it has, but it's just not common. Let's say that I, as the S-type, did something bad. Let's say that I have something that I feel guilty about. And I've decided that in order to feel better, I want to starve to death. And that's going to make me feel better. So I go to a D-type and I say, I want you to starve me to death. I literally want to die from starvation. Will you do this for me? The D-type says, yeah, I really have always fantasized about starving someone to death. And so we agree to enter into this contract. Um, Now, obviously, some of you are going to go, well, hold on. That's murder and that's illegal. Okay. But let's say that I don't actually like die let's say that I just go into this dynamic with this person who begins to control my food to the point where I am physically malnourished damaged I'm harmed beyond measure um and it you know I let's say I don't die let's say that I I'm hospitalized and that's the end of the contract technically speaking even though legally there's no defense for this right but let's pretend that legal let's pretend that the the current legal system isn't going to be involved let's pretend that this is just based on that judgment of I asked for it and they consented Okay, was that ethical? Was that healthy? Was that right? Most of you listening will go, what a ridiculous example. No, it's not right to starve someone near to death. No matter what the reasoning is, that is an abuse of power. And also the person asking for that is probably really mentally unwell and might need help, right? A responsible D-type would not agree to starve someone near to death. That would be an obvious red flag. But now let's apply this to a less extreme and more realistic situation. There are a lot of situations in DS where there's abuse. And that's an abuse of power. The S-type might be saying, I want you to control every aspect of my life. And the D-type goes, you know, great, perfect. And they start to micromanage and control every aspect of their life. But that extends into, I don't want you as the S-type to have a job. 
because I don't want you to have skills. I don't want you to have your own money. I don't want you to talk to your family anymore. I don't want you to have friends. I don't like that friend. I don't want you to date. I'm going to date, but you can't date. I don't want you to leave the house unless I give you permission. I don't want you to speak unless I give you permission. When it goes across the line of this is unhealthy, this person can't grow, this person can't have family and friends, this person is cut off from the world, this person is in a ritualized abusive situation and nobody from the outside can see it and the D-type presents it as healthy. This is how abuse can thrive and it comes down to basically the D-type being unethical with the power they've been given. And this can happen and it's, it's horrifying. So when you're looking at red flags and green flags, you're searching for a D-type. I know this is a heavy moment, but you really want to look at this person and say, do I trust them to have the power that I might hand over? Are they somebody who would starve someone near to death because they justify it by saying, well, they told me I could do it. Or are they somebody who would go, I care about your physical health. I care about your mental well-being. I will do things that we consent to, but I will never harm you. This reminds me of one of my first interactions online. What was that? Please put some levity in this, by the way. This is a happy moment. I have to. So when I first discovered that kink existed, um, I identified as an S-type. I hadn't gone to anything yet. I started off, as many people do, just kind of getting online and joining, like, dating sites and stuff. I was, you know, going through divorce, whatever. Um, And on... I, I don't even know what site this was on, but whatever site my profile stated, like, I'm a submissive, blah, 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 blah. I had some guy message me and tell me that his fantasy was to have me, like, destroy one of his testicles. L- LOL, permanent physical damage. Permanent physical damage, hospitalization, etc. Um, his real fantasy was to be able to sue someone for destroying his testicles so that he could live. (laughs) Well, that was the thing I was like, and I wasn't even, you know, I didn't identify as a dominant. I wasn't like, you know, identifying as a sadist, like none of that. So first, my first thing was like, you're barking up the wrong tree here. First of all, like that's does not appeal to me at all. But secondly, I am not going to do something that I know is going to cause permanent damage (laughs) to another human being. And it's that level of responsibility that you want to see <laughs> in a D-type. Like they don't want to – like they want to have your best interest in mind. Um, yeah. That's the, so, the green the green flag side of the heavy red flag that you've been discussing. Yeah. A D-type <laughs> who uses power responsibly and who genuinely puts your best interests first, that's the D-type that you want. Um, well, it kind of reminds us of, or reminds me of our beginning, you know, when we met, like you were working part time, you didn't exactly have a place to live. <laughs> you would sort of, you my know, car, your car. Yeah. Um, it was a unique situation. So, you know, it wasn't your fault. Um, but yeah, one of the first things, I mean, you kind of, you know, started staying with me just to have a place to be and, you know, one of the things that happened within the first Two several years. months oh. of our relationship was you got a full-time job. Oh, yeah. It was within and, the first month. I remember because yeah. I gave myself a month and I found a full-time job, which I kept full-time for Full-time job. And I asked you to rent a room somewhere else for several months. Before um, we officially moved in together in our yeah. own place, which was right. also like a special yeah. thing. Yeah. And... I we had this discussion about it. I explained why and my reasoning was okay, like I'm looking at this person and I want to make sure not only that I know you can get a full-time job and can support yourself uh and and be independent, but that also a, a not bigger part, but just as important was that you knew that you had the ability to live on your own, have a full-time job because you hadn't experienced that yet. And that was really important to me because I wanted to make sure that you were very aware that if you wanted to leave this dynamic, which was obviously very, very new, that you knew you could, that you knew that you weren't going to be afraid of 
I don't know if I can make it on my own. Yeah. Um, if I need to leave. And a D type who is a green flag D type who wants who you probably want to be with is somebody who wants you to be with them because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah. Like the D the D type should want that. They shouldn't be trying to handicap you to keep you with them, basically. So now we talked about green flags and red flags. We had a little trigger warning. We had a little serious moment. We came back with Miss Jen explaining our weird living situation that was very bizarre <laughs> maybe for the first you can, maybe in the in the show notes you can put timestamps of trigger warning yeah yeah i can timestamp it so they can still i listen can do that i would i would do that to help people out it's very nice um but we're gonna move on to basically the next step so oh there's you more? are yeah, there's more <laughs> so first you are doing self-work second you have figured out how to meet d types in person and now you have vetted them for red and green flags, okay? Let's say that you now have a green flag D type. You're like, I feel pretty good about this person. So now I'm going to start to negotiate with them to see what, what can be, right? The first thing is if you're interested in play, I would start with play and friendship first. Just personal advice. Start with play and friendship. See how it goes. See how play is over a long period of time. Find see out. if you like them as a human being. Yeah. The, these are the things you'd start with, okay? But let's say that you've done that now. You're like, let's say that you've known them for a month. You play with them like three times. And you've gotten ice cream together and you're like, oh my God, we both like the same ice cream. <laughs> Holy shit. What a match. Like, so you're having the vibes. Everything feels good. Let's say the chemistry is there, whatever type of chemistry you're looking for. Right. And now you're sitting down and you're finally talking about like, what is this? Do we want to have a relationship of some sort? Let's talk about what you should. That's the cat's fur in the microphone. <laughs> he just jumped up and like whacked the microphone with his fucking tail. I know. Echo, the world does not revolve around you. Um, excuse you. Echo? Echo, don't you me. dare pee because that's work stuff in there. Look at me. You look at me now. <laughs> hey, doesn't give a shit. Okay. So now we're looking at what do we ask the D-type and what are we looking for in negotiation to see if this is really genuinely going to be something that you want to embark on. This this like dynamic potentially, okay? The fir- Now these are, by the way, these pieces of advice are things I wish I had known when we started because we just sort of cobbled it together. And to be honest, like that happens sometimes because like Miss Jen and I had a romantic attraction and also DS was always something that was like kind of involved with us, like – I knew that I wanted somebody who was more of a D-type. She knew she was looking for an S-type. Like, we knew those things, but we were heavily drawn to each other because we thought each other were hot, basically. I don't know. Like, we had, like, a spark, whatever. And that spark happened early, and everything else sort of happened after. And that can happen. Like, we are giving you a layout of a way to look, but you might organically have a different experience, and that's okay. But let's say that you um, are sitting here having a conversation. Here are some things I wish I had known that I want to advise you on. One of the big things that needs to be discussed up front is what type of dynamic are you interested in, if any at all? Do you want to only have play? Do you want a relationship and a dynamic? Do you want just a dynamic? What type of dynamic? Do you want a 24-7? Do you want a part-time? Um, how many other partners do you have or want to have? Is polyamory on the table or not? Am I allowed to have other D-types Am I myself allowed to have you as a D-type and I can have S-types? What are the possibilities with dynamic with you? That's like one of the first things that I would want to know if I was sitting down having a conversation with somebody and vetting them as a potential D-type. Miss Jen, what are some other things that you think would be good to ask during a negotiation with a potential D-type? Would others consider you a douche? So another way of asking that in a polite way would be, what are other dynamics you've been in, if any at all? What is your experience level? And if you had others, how did they end and why? Yeah, I I like I like the uh, question of, um, or the oh, <laughs> the idea of past partners um, and talking about those experiences. And paying attention to, and this is kind of on a relationship level, not so much a, a DS level, but paying attention to how they discuss their past relationships. Honestly, though, yes, on a DS level. Like, well, if the no, dominance, like, I'm oh my god, my it, last submissive was a piece of shit. Well, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Is like yeah. it's also on a rom- like just a vanilla level too. That like, you can apply this to both. Um, but you can really learn a lot when somebody talks about their past relationships, um, whether they are still on friendly terms at least uh, or cordial terms with those people because you know a big part of the, th- the scene 
is that it isn't big. <laughs> so what happens is too, you know, when, when things end with people who are actively involved in the kink community, you're likely to run into them. You're likely to, you know, see them in the same friend circles or certain events, etc. Um, and so that can be more of a pertinent question than in the vanilla world, where oftentimes, unless you overlap in other ways, it's kind of like, goodbye, good luck, see ya, never. Yeah. Um, so another question that I would ask is, what level of power or control do you ideally want to have over me, the submissive? And this is basically a question about total power exchange versus partial. And the reason I would advise asking this is because Ms. Jen and I have discovered that in her mind, an idealized fantasy would probably have, be having total power exchange where she has total control. Is that fair to say, Ms. Jen? 90%. Yeah. Like high, <laughs> high level on, on the TPE spectrum of like zero power exchange well, to full. Let me, let me explain that. Yes. And there would be things that I would choose not to control. Yes. Yeah, so she'd that. still be controlling what she wouldn't control. <laughs> but so like this is important to ask her. I had no idea even to ask this question. And meanwhile, when I started off with DS, I wasn't even remotely interested in total power exchange. Um, I've never advertised myself as wanting to lose 100% of my autonomy. And while I can accommodate Miss Jen's desire to a certain extent, maybe she wants 90% control and I'm only willing to give 80 and we'll figure out if that's enough, but like, I think it will be. But the point is like, we're not perfectly matched with our necessary ideals of what we want from total power exchange. However, luckily we are close enough of a match that we can make it work. And I have uh, discovered in my exchange with her, my power exchange that I might be more willing to do it now that I know her than I was when I first met her. So I think it's important when you broach this topic, whether you are the D type or the S type, to be aware that someone's mind might change over time, but you certainly shouldn't count on it. And it is kind of important to know if somebody that you're trying to match with is like, I want total control over your entire life. And you're like, whoa, I want to have DS on like the down low, like very chill. And I kind of want to have a little bit of an egalitarian vibe. If that's what you want and they want the other thing, I can tell you right now, one of you is going to be really disappointed. Well, yeah. Or both. One of you is just like, I want basically a, a vanilla relationship with kinky sex. That's very different than... Yeah. A, Neither is wrong, by the way. No, no, no. But they're not compatible. But it's very different than somebody who is like, I want a 24-7 power exchange. Yeah. I've also want to bring up like, you might want to ask like, hey, uh, how much time do you have to give to this power exchange? Is this going to be something where, like, I can expect to hear from you every day or am I really going to see you once a week? Like, that's important to know because you want to find out if your needs and your wants match up. So ask all of these questions for sure. Um, Other questions to ask, Ms. Jen? Well, going back to experience level, one thing you want to be careful about is, you know, if if you ask a D-type, oh, how long have you been in the scene? And they're like, 20 years ask follow-up questions because you could have two people who say 20 years one person who they've they went to their first play party 20 years ago and they go back to play parties once a year so they've been to 20 parties in 20 years and not gone to classes or built a you know social network or anything like that It could also be somebody who's been involved for 20 years and actively involved every month, every week. So just saying, oh, how long have you been in the scene? That doesn't tell you a whole lot. Ask those follow-up questions. Another thing that I personally want to know, so you're going to cater your questions to your own needs, but I would want to know, are you interested in forming a loving relationship? Do you have space in your heart to love me? Is this simply DS and love and romance aren't factored? It's kind of the same with the sex question, but like I know of at least one person who just upfrontly says like, I don't say I love you and I'm not going to love you. And for me, I'd be like, cool, if that's a 100% deal breaker. You do you, but that's not what I'm looking for. Like make sure the yeah. person is emotionally available if you want that because otherwise, again, like that's going to be really painful. Yeah, some people keep their DS and their romantic relationships completely separate. And yeah. that's okay as long as you – know that and match that you know whatever it is i would say the final thing to ask this person is for me one of the biggest questions which is do you have a pre-written contract and preset rules 
And are you willing to adjust some of those things for my needs and for me as a person? If needed. If needed. Because um, I've also met people who are like, I have a 20-page manual. I haven't had a partner yet, but I can't wait to put them into my system and, you know, funnel them through. And one for me personally, huge turnoff. That's a personal thing. I find it to be the biggest turnoff of all time to meet somebody who says, I have a preset idea that is so set in stone. I don't accommodate for anybody to be unique. You're either going to fit what I want and you're going to be my fantasy or you're going to get out. To me, I'm like, cool. I'm not for you because there is no one like me. I am myself. You either love me and you want to be with me and you're going to build something with me or I'm not going to be with you. And that's my personal boundary. And like, that's kind of the thing like Miss Jen has had experience, but while while it would have been interesting if she had had some preset contracts or rules and it would not have been a deal breaker, it is, there's something beautiful about building a dynamic with somebody from the ground up and discovering these things together. And like the most I had were protocol positions. (laughs) Yeah. But you also did have a lot of background experience and you did have preset notions about what you wanted. You just didn't know to communicate them up front because you were still learning. Yeah. This was the first 24, entering into 24 seven power exchange with me on the D side. So I also don't think it's wrong for D types to be really, organized like honestly i i'm a switch if i ever wanted to pursue being a d-type to someone else which could happen i just don't know when i'd have the time to be honest and i'm very big about like not making commitments like that unless you can follow through but i would probably have some preset ideas about rules and expectations based on my needs but i would not have them be a full manual nor would i have them be hard set rules that couldn't accommodate a person and i think what you want to find is somebody who knows what they want and will communicate it to you and will communicate their boundaries but who will also allow you to have your own needs and uh, wants met and will listen to them and will accommodate you to a degree i think that would be the moderate approach so these are some of the things you'd want to ask when you're talking to a d type about moving forward and i suppose i lied because i said that was the last one but the final thing i'd ask is how do you feel about callers? What is your collaring system? How frequently do you award callers? What's the time span? And what are your expectations <laughs> for each caller? I'm laughing in retrospect. Yes, but if, uh, this isn't really a criticism. If, if, well, no. I mean, if you if you the listener knows our collaring story or has seen it on YouTube or whatever, then you'll know why I'm laughing. Well, but it's also important to know you're on the same page because for some people, callers are really important and. If your D-type doesn't know that and doesn't care about that, it could be an accidental, painful situation. And I guess when we talk about what you have to look for in an S-type, that's another good question as well. Yeah, but to know like, <laughs> you know, what's a consideration caller? What's a training caller? What's a final caller? What are those things to everybody? What order do those things go in to each person? Because some people put them in different orders. Like, what do these mean? What do callers mean to you? Are callers like marriage? Uh, when we get a final caller, do you was that a marriage situation to you or is that something else? Like, asking these types of questions as serious as they are is helpful because it lets you understand the person's possible trajectory in their mind of what they might be looking for. Um, and it also lets you know what to expect. I kind of want to wrap this up by saying <clears> – <throat> Even once all of these initial things have happened, continue to ask questions, continue to revise, uh, you know, look over, change, modify, discuss all of these things as you embark on your journey in your relationship, whatever that looks like. Because people grow and they change. Nobody is a static being. And it's okay if during a relationship your need or want changes and you should expect that things might move a little bit. While you shouldn't bank on it, like for instance, going into a relationship and being like, they said they didn't want kids, but I know that after knowing me for two years, they're going to want kids. Like there are some hard limits. Like you should never expect for somebody's hard limits to change. But people do, as I said, people do grow. And I know with Michelle and I, who I was when I met her and who I am now, it's, I'm the same person, but I'm not. And I would say for her, like, we just have had so much growth and so much hardship and so much joy shared between the two of us. Like, what we're building is beautiful, but it's been through many renditions, and we're already in a phase right now where we're starting from the ground up and trying to strengthen foundation and keep going and moving forward. Like, you have to be willing to do a lot of labor and a lot of check-in to water the relationship that you'll be building, whether it's simply a dynamic with no romance and sex or something with more complexity, like more layers, like... 
it's all something that you have to be willing to work on and you, you should expect that it will change over time and that's okay. Now you know how to find a D-type or a DOM, whatever you want to call it. You're going to find a DOM. You've done it. Congratulations. Um, we would love to hear from you about this topic. You know, have you found a DOM? Are you still looking for one? Was did, this... we, did we miss any important questions? Did you have questions <laughs> we didn't answer? Um, how did we do on a scale? But don't rate us if we don't get the top five stars. Just tell us in an email. Lena is amazing and helps run the discords and stuff. Tussled is amazing and writes cheeky notes every week and also helps with some research thingamajiggies. And Sid, who is our tech wizard, who helps on the tech side and our website and all the things. And of course, as always, Pudding. Pudding gets a shout out every episode because she is amazing and is in the tier on the Patreon where she gets a shout out every episode, whether she likes it, wants it, or not. She has consented. It's called the <laughs> Call Me Kinkling tier. And if you are Call Me Kinkling, you get mentioned every episode. So go check it out. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We hope you have a wonderful morning. And keep an eye out for how to find a sub because that might be next or down the road. Or a wonderful day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. We are a vortex. <laughs> we, we, we are here for you whenever you need us at any we time. We love you whenever you listen to us. <laughs> and as always, be well, precious kinklings. Yes. Bye. Bye.